This is a Care Chronicles podcast episode with Emma G. One of the instructors um, made mention during one of the practices that you are loved, you are love, and everything you could possibly need lives within you. But I think, as Einstein says, what was it? Um, adulthood is the no. Was it adulthood is the child getting taught out of you, um, or you know, or creativity getting taught out of you? And I think that's really evident in a lot of the young people that I work with, even as young as 13 years old they start to kind of close off their inner child. They start to close off their inner creativity because they're already freaking out about what they're gonna study in college at 13. And that kind of breaks my heart a little bit because I think it's really important for us to look at and respect and honor that inner voice, that inner knowing of who you are, how important you are, and how valuable your ideas are. You're listening to The Care Chronicles, podcast about self-care, health care, and everything in between. I'm your host, Trisha Coyote. I'm a board-certified music therapist, and I'm currently pursuing my master's degree in mental health counseling. I'm also a creative, multi-passionate, nature-loving, many-water-sign forever student. Join me and guests on the show as we explore how we take care of ourselves and each other. Welcome back to the Care Chronicles podcast. Thank you so much for choosing to be here with me today and to listen to my conversation with Emma G. This is an awesome conversation about the power of music and how we can use it specifically to empower youth. Emma does a great job in this episode talking about the different challenges that Gen Z faces that many of us did not face growing up on top of the similarities and challenges um, that we all go through, or not all of us, but that many people go through in youth and how we can empower them to use their voice. And also she shares some tips for how we ourselves can use our voice and engage in songwriting for our own um, growth and wellness. So I hope you enjoy this episode with Emma G and I'll see you on the other side. Emma, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Thank you so much, Trisha. I'm well. It is a beautiful day here in DC. So, you know, you got to count those days as much as you can. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, I feel like uh, I'm in New England and it's been a pretty rainy summer. I don't know if you've had a lot of rain as well. 
Ah, uh, it's been hit or miss. I, I actually spent my first three months living in the States in New England. So I am familiar with the liquid sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. It's a, it's a whole different beast for sure. That's cool. So, to start us off today, can you introduce yourselves uh, to the listeners and tell them who you are and what you do? And it can be both personal and professional. Okay. Personal and professional. Oh, you asked for it. Okay. Uh, so who am I? Uh, my name is Emma G. I am a singer-songwriter from uh, Raglan, New Zealand, originally. been proud to call Washington, D.C. my home for the last eight and a half years. Um, just before the pandemic, I... I uh, decided that, I, well, I, I relaunched my my coaching business in terms of vocal coaching, and that quickly evolved into what I now call Yes Youth Coaching, which is youth empowerment through songwriting and singing, uh, helping young people to understand, identify, and step into the power of their voices, um, allowing people the opportunity to not just explore their literal voice through, you know, vocalization and singing, but also through channeling their trauma, stress, and struggle through the art of songwriting and turning that into something empowering, beautiful, and, you know, um, tra transformational, mm -hmm. honestly. Uh, and that's all because, you know, my own, you know, every, everybody's got a story and my own story, um, you know, started very young. I was diagnosed with a relatively rare neurological condition called hydrocephalus when I was four months old. So music didn't just become my love language from a very young age, but it became my my tool for communication, for survival, for you know overcoming some pretty traumatic experiences, neurologically speaking, but also just young women speaking for real. So um, you know, given how transformative music has been in my life, um, I recognize that it's 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 important, I think, for a lot of young people, especially Gen Z, which is a very different generation than most, uh, to help them, you know, understand themselves better, communicate themselves better, and uh, overcome their traumas, whatever that may look, smell, taste, touch like, <laughs> you know. Yeah, for sure. Can you elaborate on what you specifically mean by Gen Z being different? I don't know if that's something you can distill down, but sure. I mean, I, I don't like obviously I'm not talking about like they're alien. That's not what I mean at all. <laughs> what I mean is like I'm a millennial. I, I I'm turning 35 in a few months. Um, and so I was privileged to have most of my childhood pre-social media. Mm. And then I got to be one of those privileged people that got to you know, have, have the advent of social media completely turned my world upside down. Thank goodness, um, you know, it didn't, it wasn't a prevalent very much during my high school years, but um, it still affected me in, in some ways, you know, with MySpace and Bebo. And I don't know if you know what any of those are to anybody who's listening, but, <laughs> uh, but you know, like just having, I, 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 I definitely wasn't conscious um, of that change, but I definitely, in retrospect, um, know that, you know, recognize where some of those, um, it just, it just how social media affected my, my mental health, my emotional health, and even the way that I connect, connected with my peers. Gen Z, on the other hand, is a generation that is, was basically brought up and raised online. Mm -hmm. um, and not just in social media, you know, 
but also they had two and a half years where they literally had to stay at home and only had online as a way to fuel their social connection, their education, their just their entire ways of, of living and existing. Um, and yes, it can be a blessing in many ways, but we've also seen a, a significant um, negative repercussion um, on how that has affected this young these young people. I, I was reading an article a couple from a couple of days ago uh, in the Washington Post that um, stated that in 2023 we have one in four uh, one in four young teenagers who are significantly struggling with their mental health, mm. um, and there's not enough help for them. So. You know, they're they're not just built different. They're they've been raised different, and we need to look after them, and and foster them, and coach them, and mentor them, and and help them recognize their awesomeness in different ways than yeah. we have ever had to do before. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, and so important, like you've said, to help them find their voices, do that in an empowering and positive way. I work at a therapeutic day school for kids grades one to twelve, so I. Wow. Right there with you. I get it. I am. I see. I see what you're talking about every day, and it is a challenge. And they they are navigating it as best they can, and it's up to us to help give them the tools that um, we're finding because we're we're learning about this this digital age alongside them, right? Yeah. Um, so that's a challenge in itself as well. So thank you, mm-hmm. thank you for that for saying that. Of course, of course. No, it's I hats off to you. <laughs> um, you know, it's. It's interesting. I, I don't. I mean, I'm sure you've seen a significant change over the years. I don't know how long you've been doing, um, you know, the, the day the daycare uh, for. But I, I, you know, I've been working. I've been teaching now for going on 18 years, yeah. um, for a whole right, you know, range of age groups, and it's it's just it's staggering, um, the shift I've seen not only in how many young people come to me and just say they want to be heard. Mm-hmm. You know, they can make all the noise in the world, um, but they still don't feel like they're being validated, acknowledged, understood, or just, just basically heard, um, which is heartbreaking for me, you know. Um, and then, of course, there's all the educational um, components that come into it with regards to Young people don't always learn best on computers. And because we have everything digitized these days, it's so easy to get distracted. Therefore, when we teach people, we need to make sure that we're, um, I think, this is just my opinion and my experience, but um, I believe it's really important that we don't try to rebuke the changes, but kind of quite try to incorporate them into how we're, how we're developing their educational skills. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um... I definitely experienced that too. Some students who I had who did really well when online turning, online mm. learning, sorry, took place. And some students who, um, yeah, we had to make a lo- leaps and bounds when we were back in school to yeah. try get back to where we had started pre-COVID. Sure. So yeah. Is there something in particular that um, really draws you to that age group other than like it's different and, and um, I guess I'm trying to make my question different this time because in my head it's different, but you know what I mean? Like what inspires you to want to work with teens? Because some people like (laughs) that is so intimidating Uh, and I'm with you. I love working with teens. So what inspires you to do that? 
I think I think the, the answer is in the question. So many people rebuke against working with teenagers because they're the troubled area, you know, and or troubled age rather. And I I I remember being one of those troubled teenagers. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I just I think I think it's well, okay, let me let me simplify this answer. It's a couple of things. One is Yes, I remember being that teenager that was going through all kinds of horrendous experiences, not just from the neurological standpoint of brain damage um, and recovering from brain damage, but also, um, you know, bullying. Uh, I was one of a handful of people of colour in my social group. Um, Therefore, it came with, even in New Zealand, it came with um, a range of fun insults and and bullying tactics um I've always been very muscular some of my body type was always mocked in some way shape or form um but also everything else that comes with being a young woman I was a I was an early developer um I was abused when I for the first time when I was five and then again when I was 12 and then again when I was 15 and you know there's there's a pattern here um and then of course there was everything else losing my friends to um and aliving themselves losing friends to drug addiction losing friends to health complications you know it was just trauma as much as we like to think that young people don't experience those things I'm sorry it happens it's not just something we see on television. It's something that a lot of our young people experience on a day-to-day basis, and they don't know how to understand it, let alone communicate about it. So because of my own experiences, I want to do all I can to help build a more resilient, powerful next generation as part of it. And, and you know, I do that not just through coaching, but also through my songs and my performances and the keynote speaking that I do. Um but I just it's it's important for me that that we recognize that as difficult as we may paint the the pubescent and prepubescent years as being, those are the the years that you know shape the rest of our lives. Mm. Um, and I I'm really sick to death of so much of our world seems to be caught up in this reactive mindset when it comes to fixing the problem once it occurs as opposed to being proactive about how we can set some foundational tools that help our young people be strong resilient powerful and safe yeah a (laughs) hundred percent I'm with you. So when, when people come to work with you, what does that look like? I know you touched on like a couple different things you do, but um, like getting down to it, what does that look like? It depends. Um, And I say that because working with me can, working with me, if it's one-on-one, it's going to be different to when I'm working on it with a group. When I'm working with a group, it's going to be different working online than it is in person. What I will say is that um, contrary to most, I think, Western approaches to teaching, I gained my teach qualification in New Zealand. If anybody knows anything about New Zealand, you'll know that we have um, our Indigenous people, Māori, um, as well as our, you know, 
Pakeha population and everybody else who lives there. It's a beautiful country uh, and it's rather, you know, diverse in, in ethnicity. However, because New Zealand has such reverence for its Indigenous people, I should preface, I'm not Māori. My father was from Fiji, um, so but, you know, still cut from the same cloth, so to speak. Um, but because of get, gaining my teaching qualification in New Zealand, a lot of my practice is um, rooted in Māori teaching principles. And one of those key principles is teaching the student where they're at, mm. not teaching the curriculum. So as much as people will often ask me for lesson plans, for example, I can't give you a lesson plan until, I mean, I've got ideas about where I want to go with that particular student on that particular day. But, um, you know, it's, it's almost like a Montessori way of looking at it. You want to sort of be led by the students in terms of where they're at on that particular day, where they're at with their cultural backgrounds, where they're at with their familial backgrounds. They're, they're, you know, you've got no idea where the kid's coming from, what, whether they witnessed their parents having a fight the night before or whether one of their parents went to jail mm-hmm. you, you, you just don't know so um yeah I mean my, the, the approach and I, of course I'm not I don't just work with you know um really dangerous young people sometimes I, I, I had my one of my first clients here in the states um was working with me to help her album uh, write an album so that she could apply for college and she ended up going to Leeds to work with Paul McCartney, for example. So, you know, but again, it's a very different experience. Yeah. Somebody else who's not experiencing that on a regular basis. So um, working with me, I I can tell you, I, like I, you know, the, the key element that is consistent throughout all of my coaching sessions is that I do have a number of guiding principles. The first being that whenever we work together, it is 110% safe. Nothing the child tells me will go any further than between us unless they are at risk, um, whether they're, you know, suicidal, in danger at home, or, um, you know, posing a risk to somebody else. So, you know, that in and of itself really helps young people to feel like they they can let their guards down a little bit. Mm. Um, and then the, the second part is that um, there's no judgment with when working with me. Um, I don't laugh at my clients at all. Um, I'm here to celebrate, honor, and grow with you. And on that token, I don't I ask that my clients don't actually look at me as their teacher or even as their, you know, their, I don't know, coach I I look I ask them to look at them to look at me as if I'm like their big sister or mm-hmm. auntie because I'm here to grow with them learn from them learn with them they'll teach me things I'll teach them things um and that's I think um a more empowered way for young people to take ownership of their learning and journey yeah yeah, yeah I um have seen a shift in the mental health space too for clinicians instead of like trying to see ourselves as the healer in the situation really empowering the client to self-heal and we're there to guide and provide support but ultimately really empowering them to um do what they need to do to 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 be on that journey and I even once at a conference heard a clinician giving a presentation and she referred to herself as um 
something along the lines of the friend who accompanies the client on the journey to self-actualization. And I was like, well, that's a lot to put on my resume, but yes, <laughs> I'm totally with you. That that's, that's what it feels like. Well, you know, I, I, I often reference, um, I went to a yoga retreat back in uh, 2018 in Barcelona and there was a, one of the instructors um, made mention during one of the practices that you are loved, you are love, and everything you could possibly need lives within you. Mm. But I think, as Einstein says, what was it? Um, adulthood is the, no, was it? Adulthood is the child getting taught out of you. Mm. Um, or, you know, or creativity getting taught out of you. And I think that's really evident in a lot of the young people that I work with, even as young as 13 years old, they start to kind of close off their inner child. They start to close off their inner creativity because they're already freaking out about what they're going to study in college at 13. Mm -hmm. And that kind of breaks my heart a little bit because I think it's really important for us to look at and respect and honor that inner voice, that inner knowing of who you are, and how important you are and how valuable your ideas are. And that let that kind of run your, you know, run the trajectory of your life as opposed to, oh, mom and dad want me to do this, which is, there's no harm in that. I'm not, I'm not saying that pleasing mother and father is a bad thing, but there is so much more opportunity available to us in the you know 2023 2024 than we could have even begin begun to fathom three years ago five years ago ten years ago so I just I am yeah trusting that inner voice and trusting that inner guidance and music does that songwriting does that it taps into our our self-knowing so powerfully it's amazing mm -hmm. <laughs> yes I so one of my favorite things about inviting students into the music therapy space at school is um it is a creative space and I also like to go in without a definitive plan and kind of let them lead where they want to go creatively and do what they want to do and one of the beautiful things about music in the moment is that once it happens or as it's happening, we're both taking musical risks. We're both being vulnerable. We're trying different things. Um, we're doing nonverbal communication a lot of the time. So this is like pre-songwriting. And mm -hmm. once the music happens, it's done. They don't need to be attached to it. Like that moment can exist in the past and we can benefit from it. But if they don't want to touch on that again, they don't have to. So the difference in songwriting is when they have like a really profound moment within the music, they can build on that and take it with them, which is amazing. Um, yeah. I don't know if you want to add. To yeah, that. no, I totally, I love that so much. For my experience, so throughout the entirety of 2023, I've been releasing a new single every month. Um, the, the intriguing part, I mean, people are like, oh, that's crazy. Um, no, because, you know, by the time I was 19, I'd written over 500 songs. So the thing about my release strategy this year is that every single song that I have released or am releasing 
is a song that I wrote in my teen years or and or early 20s. Yeah. And so to your point, um, yeah, like when, when you write the musicality down, you can sort of put it aside and let it be, and okay, I've gotten that out of my head or out of my system. Great, we can put it to the side and move on. What I have found has been intriguing <laughs> is that when I'm reflecting on these songs that I wrote as a 13, 14, 15-year-old girl, I can still learn something mm. from those words. I can still remind myself, oh, shoot, I went through this back then. Let's not repeat that mistake. Mm -hmm. Or this is the lesson I learned this, you know, in this particular time. Um, how can I apply that to either how I'm living or how I'm interacting with people around me or how I'm teaching for real? Yeah. And I know from experience that often songwriting um, at first singing your own songs or singing your own lyrics can be intimidating but as a time goes on you get that confidence and that empowerment and that um I guess firmer identification with what you've written mm. and to watch the progression of people's voices like their literal voices over time gain ownership over their story is 100%. really amazing to watch yeah 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 and I, I think so you're right. It's it's incredibly vulnerable work. Um, however, I often refer to music and creative expression as kind of like a security blanket mm. because we have creative license, right? Mm. There, you know, yes, you can be super honest and super vulnerable and super. Oh, where did that come from? But. If you are to perform that or record that, um, there's still an opportunity for you to, you know, kind of allow yourself permission to tell people, oh, you know, that was just, it was only because I said it because it rhymed or whatever, but even though you're still speaking your truth. So yeah. I don't know. And just, yeah, the, the way that creativity um, affects us, I think um, there's some really beautiful opportunities for us to be powerful in that vulnerability. Yeah. And music allows us to layer so many things because you have just the lyrical content and you have obviously what kind of key or what kind of chords you're putting in there and that completely changes it. How are you going? Yeah. Like what genre are we going to be in? What's our rhythm going to be? Is there like instrumentation that we traditionally would expect that's not going to be there or the reverse? Are we going to add in something funky like the hurdy gurdy? Mm. And yeah. There's so much creative license for that. In a lot of my classes um, since COVID, because we we were doing more digital stuff, I started introducing my students to more digital audio workstations. And some of them, it was like very intimidating, but other ones, they loved being able to layer all these different things to create something on their own. Um, so yeah, music allows us to add so much depth in different mm. ways if we want to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, I, I think it, I think a lot of it comes down to how young people learn and retain information mm -hmm. um, to your point about digitization when it comes to learning or creating music. Um, a lot of young people I think need to 
it, it, it's, a, it's a really beautiful way for them to understand where their where their favorite genres come from. Yeah. And I think that's one of the one of the ways that I kind of like to um, empower young people to not just understand their own creative expression, but also to learn from their favorite artists. For example, when I was coming up, I was heavily into rock music. Mm. Um, still am, to be fair, but uh, Pink Floyd was one of my all-time favorite bands. And the just the, the, the thought and the care of every placed instrument just gave me such awe, you know what I mean? Um, but then to now look at the Cardi B's of the world and the um, Wale's of the world and noticing how their music is made and the instrumentation and the digitization and electronics of, of their music, being able to kind of take students through how the origins of where this music came from, mm-hmm. from blues, from, you know, OG hip hop, from, you know, jazz and, and so forth. Um, it, it's it's a beautiful way for us to like kind of start to bring that academic side of things into that emotional, social, and mental wellness. Definitely. For sure. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I'm thinking, you know, when I was growing up, sometimes you couldn't, I, or I couldn't like express to someone what I was thinking or feeling, but I could share a song with them. And to our point earlier about social media, it was very common for people to like put song lyrics in their status or, you know, mm. whatever back at the time, like you just oh, put song <laughs> lyrics there and you just leave them. And like, you know, that people will be able to hear the song when they see those lyrics. And it's like this, um, not so subtle way to <laughs> tell people what's going on. It's, it's like, well, the show fits. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> exactly. It's, um, yeah. No, I, I totally, I totally agree. And I, I was, I was one of those those people for you know a, a short minute, but then I realized, oh shoot, like okay, yes, I am you know channeling my uh, what's the word, um, you know I'm not being very direct in my communication from you know channeling my thoughts through someone else's art, art, mm-hmm. but also um, I you know that's somebody else's lyrics. That's someone else's story. That's someone else's feeling. I, for me, I needed to find a way for me to use my own story, my own feelings, my own I, yeah, ideas um, to communicate myself more effectively. So to that end, even to this day, I'm not going to lie, um, part of the part of my process on understanding what I'm going through and figuring out how to communicate about that still happens through music. Mm. I've had I've written countless songs to my mother, for example, when I was a teenager, um, trying to explain to her how I was feeling as a teen. Um, sometimes she heard them, sometimes she didn't, sometimes she understood them, sometimes she was offended by them. Um, but at least there was that opportunity for us to connect and understand each other a little bit more um even to this day you know a couple of years ago I wrote a song a day for 31 days straight and in that process I think it was day four I ended up writing this song called Faith in You which I realized halfway through that was a song to my now fiance about how I want to actually give this whole love thing a go um and 
you know, he was the first person to hear the song. Um, it was the scariest three and a half minutes of my life. But, um, you know, it, it's it's still a way for people of all ages to communicate. We don't need to just quote Nine Inch Nails and <laughs> Pink Floyd and Aretha Franklin in order to, you know, let music um, define us. Yeah. Yeah. So for those listening, what advice do you have for them on starting their songwriting journey? Or do you have any tips for them on how they can take what we're talking about and apply it to their lives? Of course. Yeah, I actually have a nine-step guide I can send people if you're interested. Um, They can um, hit me up on my website, emmagmusic.com, and just you know, send me a message saying nine-step guide, please, and I'll send that over. But um, a lot of the the basics of the songwriting process I have found have revolved around, one, getting out of your own way Mm. Um, when it comes to, you know, oh, I don't have time. Everybody has a couple of minutes to just add on, develop, or or dig into um, their thoughts, basically. Secondly, I, 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 the very first, the very second step, I guess, would be um, a an exercise that I affectionately called call word vomit. It's not the sexiest of names, I admit, but um, it's a, literally an opportunity for you to sit down, put on a piece of instrumental music, ideally, whether it's whole tones or you know an instrumental classical piece, um, and just get out of your head onto paper all of the thoughts, feelings, and ideas that are rummaging around. A lot of our overwhelm and stress comes from the same thematically, <laughs> you know, thematically the same things. It's just that they're, we're trying to sort of come up with, oh, and then this, you know, five different ways to identify the same key problem. Um, but if we give ourselves permission to kind of get it out of our heads onto paper, not only can you, again, put it on paper and get out of your head, but now you can start to identify the themes, the key themes that are happening. Um, and then when you have you know, satisfied that part of yourself, you can then start to look at the keep it simple superstar methodology that I like to use um, of helping yourself dig deeper into each theme and create your verses and choruses and bridge out of all of that word vomit dedicated specifically to that one thing. Yeah, that was a really tangible for sure. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned this podcast coming out later this this month. So I guess what I would like to um, encourage all of you to remember, especially as we come out of the summer months into fall, that um just to be gentle on yourself i've been mm-hmm. seeing a lot of um a lot of rhetoric around about you know needing to get everything done here and now and yesterday um and i think it's really important that you know every season comes and goes um but every season has a purpose so be gentle on yourself as we move into the colder months Um, Give yourself permission to breathe and just exist in your body, exist in your thoughts and let yourself express that as creatively, honestly and authentically as possible. 
Um, if you are interested in doing knowing more about how I do that, um, obviously, like I said, I've been releasing a single every month. You're more than welcome to check that out on Spotify or um, iTunes. But, um, you know, I also have uh, a couple of books that I've written that can kind of give you some some feedback and some support on your songwriting journey and the journey that I've taken. And you know, maybe that'll guide as act as some sort of guide for you. But I, I, I think the main thing for me at the moment is just focusing on loving who you are, where you are right now, focusing on where you can find the joy um and remembering that your voice matters yeah 100% I needed that today thank you you're welcome I'm here to help (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate that anything else you want to touch on before we do the rapid fire questions no I think that's good um I have a lot of exciting things in the works at the moment but like I said if you want to keep in touch with me over you know I've got social media Emma G Music um, or Emma G Speaks on Facebook alternatively you can join my email list and get some really um, exciting giveaways um, and freebies by joining that email list and that's available at my website emmagmusic.com otherwise watch this space because I have some pretty fun stuff happening I will have everything linked for everyone. Excellent. Cool. All right. So the rapid fire questions, the questions are short, but your answers don't have to be. Okay. The first one is coffee or tea? Oh, okay. So coffee or tea, I would have originally said five years ago, tea, because I'm from New Zealand and we are a British colony, but I am kind of embarrassed to say I've now become a coffee addict. All good. (laughs) <laughs> no shame here just curious early bird or night owl I used to be a night owl because I was in a hard rock band mm. I am now an early bird most of the time wow but yeah well it's and then when I gig it gets late so I'm also a big fan of nana naps I'm not gonna lie yes yeah, I'm actually reading a book on sleep right now, and they talk about napping in the middle of the day is actually really good for you. So mm. keep it up. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Your favorite way to take care of yourself? My favorite way to take care of myself is absolutely going for a hike in the woods. Nice. Yeah. Your favorite way to take care of others? My favorite way to take care of others. Oh, I. Um, a huge, I, I enjoy helping people, um, emotionally and conversationally, um, mm-hmm. and reminding people again, like how powerful you are. Everyone needs that. Sure. What is something that's currently adding value to your life? I think the biggest thing that's adding value to my much to my life at the moment is uh, my fiance. He is um, an incredible source of strength and um, just stability mm. in my life. That um, and safety. You know, I think it's really important for a lot of us. I'm going to say men and women. Um, it, 
it's really easy for us to kind of go through our lives wanting to prove ourselves all the time and ascribe ourselves to titles and roles and pretend that everything's okay even when it's not and for the first time in my life I'm um, with somebody who honors the whole of me the beautiful and the ugly um and that to me is just it's it's priceless congratulations on that thank you what's something you would tell your younger self I love this question I would tell my younger self that life is not about what we go through. It's about what we grow through. Mm -hmm. And that every crappy experience that I've endured is leading up to something powerful beyond my imagination. To be clear, I'm still not quite sure what that is, but I am, I am, you know, I, I truly believe that our um, lessons in life truly do become blessings. Yeah. All right. Please reintroduce yourself without using any words or terms that describe how you care for others. So nothing like teacher, compassionate, none of those. Oh, that's a. <laughs> it's tough. It's tough. Okay. My name is Emma G, and I am saving the world one song at a time by reminding you how powerful you are. Is that how you take care of others? Shoot. <laughs> it's tricky. Okay, okay. Um, I, I'm used to, like, being asked, you know, without labels. Okay, yeah. so. Do you want me to give you my example? Sure. Would that be helpful? Yeah. Okay, I'm Trisha. I'm a creative, multi-passionate, forever student. I am a quadruple water sign. And I host this podcast. Okay. I am Emma G. I'm a singer, songwriter, musician, entertainer. I create. I play. I love. And I am a cat mom. <laughs> Well done. Thanks for giving it another shot. <laughs> of course. All right. Last question. And you touched on this uh, is how can the listeners find you and connect with you? Is there anything else that I can link them to? to find Absolutely. You? So um, best way to find me is Emma G music on most social media, uh, except for on TikTok. I'm Emma G speaks. And on Facebook, I am also Emma G speaks. Uh, you can also subscribe to me on Spotify, iTunes, and Amazon Music as Emma G, though I should note that I am the brown Emma G. There is a light and brighter with the same name as me, and she is far more 
hip hop and R&B than I will ever dream to be. Unfortunately, I, I wish I was as cool as she is, but one day. <laughs> You'll collaborate or something. I see Maybe. Energy squared or something. <laughs> yes. Yes. You heard it here first. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and taking time to talk to the listeners and share your story. Thank you so much, Trisha. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. It's always great to engage in music-related conversation with guests because obviously as a music therapist, the power of music is something that's very important to me and it's amazing to see all the different ways people use music to help each other, whether that's through performing, music therapy, coaching, songwriting, all of the above and more. So thank you so much for joining us today. You can find Emma at all the links in the show notes to check out her new song that she's releasing every month this year, as well as her other offerings, including that list of tips for engaging in your own songwriting. And if you're enjoying the show, please make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. Find us online and on social media at care-chronicles. And until next time, take care of yourself and take care of each other.